man, I was just looking at Jabari, he was having fun with that one. And it was just fun, just having fun with you. You know, our God is a God of joy and he wants us to rejoice. And it's great to be able to rejoice in him. You know, it's a significant week this week. Last night, over at UNT, Jesus Culture came and led a time of worship and Brandon and the campus ministry, a huge part of that, a cooperative effort between different churches, Lifeline Church, Legacy Church, different campus groups, just all together just lifting up Jesus. And, and Brandon brought it to a powerful close at the end, and it was just great time. You know, that's what's going on with our college-age people. Said goodbye to a couple of really good men in their, their 80s. Uh, Neil Kuhn and Rod Bartolt. And two guys with a lot in common, actually. They're both hilarious. Both with great sense of humor. Both hard-working farm boys that triumphed against odds, and both men that really loved the Lord. And I, it was my honor to do, to, to do Neil's funeral here, but um, uh, Rod's was over at the Presbyterian, I mean, not the Presbyterian, the Methodist Church over in Crum. And, you know, he, he and Barney, they came back and forth between our two churches. And, and, and you know what I just got to say here? You know, the older I get, the more denominational differences don't mean anything to me. I mean, if you love Jesus, we're in the kingdom together. If you love Jesus and you hate, you hate sin and, and evil, we're on the same side. And, and, and you're my brother. You're my sister. You're not my second cousin in the faith. We're brothers. Well, I was over at, um, at Rod's funeral, and there was a story from that funeral that just has, I think it will always stick with me. You know, Rod was instrumental in all kinds of good things in the town of Crum. A uh, park that they have there, it wouldn't have happened except for Rod putting in enormous effort. And, and the museum over there, Rod was key to that one as well. And... His kids have a story that it was something that was being inaugurated over in, in Crum and said, well, you know, we're going. And the kids are like, like, man, do we have to go to this thing? And he's like, well, yeah, we have to go. And, and the kids said, well, but why do we have to go? And he said, well, because we're donors. So we have to go. And they said, what do you mean we're donors? And he said, come on, let me show you. He took him over, and there's a program there, and it has the list of donors. And they said, Dad, where's our name on the list? And he said, it's right here, anonymous. That's our name. And I thought to myself, how many great men and women of God have been anonymous Anonymous servants of the, uh, of the Lord, but he knows. He knows. 
<sighs> what was my other thing? Oh, my third thing, I forgot. Texas Tech, Final Four. It's a miracle. You know, I, I preached for years in, in North Carolina. It's just sort of a given that it would be, a, you know, ACC schools in that final four. Like, not, not someone from Texas and, and not from Lubbock, Texas, not Texas Tech. Yet this is proof that anything can happen. <laughs> anything is possible. It, it, it's also proof the right coach and the right belief and anything could be done. And we, here we are, and that's us. We got the right coach. We got the right coach and anything is possible because he is our coach. Because we have the Holy Spirit. We're in the midst of a sermon series. It's about time. And... Time is a very common word. It's often on our lips, how, whether we've got time or we don't have time, how much time we've got, how much time we've got left. Time is of ultimate significance. If it wasn't, we wouldn't have it all around us. It's, it's back on that back wall reminding me not to go too long. It, it's in my pocket. It's right there. In your purse. It's on your dashboard. It's counted into pieces and pieces of pieces. And how we spend our time is a matter of uh, numbers, that we put numbers on it. We experience it differently at different ages. I remember when time went so slowly when I was a little kid, and it was like each year went by at a snail's pace. And here I am now, and it's like the years, the years start to fly by. But whatever year you are in, something that you really do know is that once it's gone, you can't get it back. You can't speed it up. You can't slow it down. You can't get it back. I think that's why we're so obsessed uh, with time travel. You know, so many movies, have you noticed just how many new movies that are time travel movies or, or shows? I mean, two of my Netflix binges were time travel shows, Continuum and uh, Travelers. Anybody watch those shows? Okay, like, man. It's with the same thing in the first service. Like, don't you people, you know, come on. Get with the program. Okay, let me try this. Movies. Interstellar? Did anybody see Interstellar? Okay, we're a little bit better. There was an older crowd in the first service, and I can understand it, but you know. Okay, let's try this one. Best time travel movie of all time. You... Nope, it, it was right the first time. Back to the Future, Michael J. Fox, am I right? Yeah, I was a, that was a great movie. A great movie. And, and yet they missed the greatest device of the century. 
this thing, omniscience, in your pocket. They missed that one. Ah, the future, it's hard to get a hold of. It's hard to grasp it yourself as a, as a human. But time, time. Did you know that the average human breathes 16 times a minute? Some of you care, some of you don't, but 16 times a minute, which means if you live to be 80 years old, that you will have this many breaths, 672,768,000 breaths. Man, that just leaves me panting right there. I, it's, it's, it, to, to achieve anything, it takes, it takes time. In order, I read somewhere that in order to be a professional level athlete, that it takes 10,000 hours of dedicated time. You know, that you're just under that basket, just shooting those shots, practicing those moves. 10,000 hours. But you know, it takes time to have relationships. It takes a lot of time. It takes, I found this so interesting, a minimum of 40 to 60 hours with someone after you first meet them to have a casual friend. 40 to 60 hours. And it doesn't count just sitting here in church listening to me. That's not part of the 40 to 60 hours. It's 40 to 60 hours hanging out, having coffee, doing whatever it is that you you like to do together. And it, if you want a good friend, it's 80 to 100 hours to have a good friend. That's, that's a lot of hours. Maybe that's why people don't have friends. That's why people, no, no, I, I'm serious. You know, you can chart it, the, the number of friends that people had in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s to today. Like, we don't have friends anymore. Oh, we've got a million friends in the device. You've got a million friends on Facebook. What, like, what you've got is the illusion of having friends. You want a best friend? You know what a best, fr best friend? Oh, gosh, that was... <laughs> Ross, you can recover even from this. <laughs> Lord, help me to recover from that. Okay, I'm back. You better not be having those kind of friends unless you're married, okay? If you want, and that takes a lot more than 100 hours too, but I, but I digress. You need two... <laughs> and that's on the recording as well. It's recording. <laughs> okay. We'll still be best friends after this, I hope. Um, 200 hours to be best friends. Well, you know, small wonder, like, that people today go through life on the surface of things.
How do you spend your time? Are you a miser with it? Do you hold it all to yourself? Are you a prodigal spender that you just, just cast your time out here, there, and everywhere, and you don't think too much about where the time is going? Or are you intentional? It takes time to have relationships. It takes time to have, have relationships in church. You know, we can all come and we can all sit here every Sunday. That doesn't mean that we are forging friendships. We can be as friendly as can be at the door. As everybody comes in, smile. Ah, it's so good to see you. But it takes time to get something with substance. It takes time to make friendships that were, where they will never let you down, where they will never let you go. Where if you, if you fall down, they're, they're going to pick you up and they're going to they're gather around you. It takes time. So my question this morning, the big question this morning is, are you taking advantage of time or is time taking advantage of you? Because I've got to tell you, we are living in an insane culture. An insane culture. And you think I'm exaggerating. You're thinking I'm, I'm being metaphorical. I am not being metaphorical. This is an insane culture. If you could bring somebody back from not even that long ago to see what has happened to us in this entertainment, incredibly busy, this saturated with experience culture, they would be looking at us and, 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 and saying, what, what happened here? It takes time. It takes time to form habits. It takes, University of London says, 66 days to create a new habit. Listen to the words of Paul. How do you spend your time? I want to know Christ. I'm going to stop right there. I want to know. Now, this is a guy who's been preaching for years. This is a guy he spent time with Jesus himself, the resurrected Jesus. This, this is a man who's given a great deal of thought to it all. But he says... I want to know Christ. In the Corinthian correspondence, he says that we are to take every thought captive to Jesus. And, and, and you know, I used to think that what that meant was you need to be a good debater. Like what, whatever the topic is, that I can, I can beat you in the name of Jesus. I can out-argue you in the name of Jesus. And, and, and yeah, you know, this is just an element, I suppose, to that. But I really think what it's saying is that we need to be totally captivated by Jesus. You ever been in love? You ever fallen in love? You know what it's like. You are completely captivated. Like you think about this this person. And everything looks new. 
And, and we use expressions like absolutely enthrall. I think that's what Paul is saying here. And this is something that has really, this has really been doing a number on me this week. And I've been praying about it and I plan on praying it going forward. That I want Jesus to captivate me. I want to be captivated. It, it's, it's a blessed thing to be captivated by the love of Jesus. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this, or that I've already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, I... The image of a race. You know, it, it, it's an interesting thing. If you're not a runner, the idea of running, like you really hate it. You know, like you're going, no, that's why I have a car. Is so I won't have to run. And why would anybody get into running? And then you run and you get addicted. Yeah, get that runner's high. And you're going, I need to go for a run. There's a joy that comes with running a race. And Paul is calling us to joy here. He's saying there's more. Let, let, let's give it our all and, and, and let's, let's really feel this. There's more to life than this life. You know, the Holy Spirit is such a poet He's given us such poetry. I love this from Ecclesiastes 3.10. I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. Live every day with eternity in your heart. You know, I, I love Disneyland. I love the Magic Kingdom. But with all respect to Walt Disney and the Imagineers, the Magic Kingdom is here. The Magic Kingdom is the kingdom of God. Eternity. Eternity. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul's saying we live in momentous times. What happens right now really matters. Like what, what I hear him saying is, is, is this. 
The future will come, and we are right now living in the past of a future that is to come. We can change this past of the future that is to come. And we need to grasp it. We need to live it out to the full. We need to seize the day. Don't be a miser. Don't be a a profligate spender. Make your time count. This crazy culture of ours, it's a hectic culture. Too busy for all kinds of things. Too busy to have friendships. What kind of a culture is too busy to have friendships? Like even in slave cultures, there was time to have friendships. Don't be too busy for the kingdom. Make time. Busy is in charge of people's lives. And when busy is in charge, you don't have a life. You don't have a life. You have to be in charge of the time. Be intentional. Don't let life just happen. But take charge and and, and ask yourself, how am I spending it? Do you have friends? Are you putting time into those friendships? You need to put time into them. You know, the irony is today that we are so busy trying to make sure that we don't miss out on anything, and what we end up doing is missing out on everything. Everything that's really important. Everything that is great about life. Everything that has eternal significance. Because whatever is immediate is what takes our attention. Don't be too busy for the kingdom. Have you ever noticed, by the way, and I'm thinking about eternity here, how time... I'm not so sure about our clock time. I'm pretty sure that life, that you can actually slow down time and speed it up. Have you ever, like, just had a joyful time with a friend? Where you're just sitting there and you're you're drinking and you're talking and, and you just, you're talking about everything. You're talking about stuff that really matters. And, and then you look at, your, look at your phone or you look at your wrist and, and man, we've been talking for three and a quarter hours. Like, do you, you believe that? We've been talking for more than three hours. Where did the time go? Well, you know, when you're experiencing joy, it's like time melts away. It's got, you have a taste of eternity in those times, and those are blessed times. And sometimes time can really slow down. Like when you're at work, 
and you're sitting there in a planning session and you think this has been going on forever and ever and, and, and you, you look at the time and you see that you are ah, eight minutes and 40 seconds into the meeting and you're going, oh, please, Lord, just kill me now. Just kill me. And you just think it's never going to end. Joy. The secret is living for joy. And the joy is there for the taking. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12.1 says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, considered him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. Wow. Is that some kind of joy or what? Like that Jesus did not go to the cross out of resignation. Oh, I'll go. I'll do it. The writer of Hebrews says no, it's like for the joy, for the victory. For the victory, for the resurrection, he went to the cross. World's going round and round in circles, and a lot of the time it ain't too happy going round and round in circles, caught up in the deadly cycles. But you and I were designed for eternity. You and I were designed for the cross and the resurrection and eternity. I'm going to close here with a a story from the Old Testament that catches the flavor of, of what I'm talking about here. This, the story of Gideon. Now, Israel's being persecuted by their enemies, the Midianites. They are totally under oppression. And I take it up in Judges 6, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Ebezerite. I think I have that right where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, don't ever tell me that God doesn't have a sense of humor. You're hiding. You're hiding. You don't thresh wheat I don't know much about agriculture, but I know you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. He's threshing wheat in a wine press because he's hiding. And the, the Lord shows up and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I love what comes next too. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us 
and given us into the hand of Midian. Pardon me, God, where you been? Where you been, God? Poor, poor, pitiful me. Like, just join me for the, for the pity party. Come and let's wine in the wine press. And this, let's be honest now, this is what we all do. You've done it. I've done it. God, you don't know me. You don't know my story, really. You don't know the pain I'm dealing with. And hey, let's look at the past, look at my past, and see how jacked up my past is. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Am I not sending you? You know, sometimes, you know, you get introspective and you just want God to come and show you some empathy? Like, come here, let, let's take care of your boo-boo. Oh, you feel bad? And, and just show me some love, God. But you know, sometimes compassion is overrated. If you're too scared to move, God has to get you up and, and, and get you back in the fight again. And he's not just going to stay in your pity party. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You, mighty warrior. Oh, but Rush, you don't know. No, I don't. But God is with you, mighty warrior. You see, I, I, we all got the past. And we all got our inadequacies in the present. But God's got your future. And he's saying, join me here. I'm with you. I'm sending you. Go. There is more. Like God won't let us just stay in the wine press. He wants us to get out because there is more. There is power. There is salvation. And so he'll pull you out of that pit of the past and say, I know your future, mighty warrior. God is the author of time, and he says, it's about time. Get ready. It's about time. Strike the enemy now. It's time. I know not everybody likes to shout out in church, but there are enough of us that do that I'm going to ask you, if you're so moved, to shout with me, it's time. Will you do that? It's time. You know, we ought to end the service with fist bumps, chest bumps, if you're so moved, don't let me stop you. Do you need prayer? You've been in a tough spot? You'd, you'd like to 
come pray with me or pray with one of our shepherds and their, their wives. And let, let's do it. There, there, there's power. There's power in this. Let's call on his power as we stand and sing.